0: Man, you may be seated as a charismatic friend of mine once said, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet, right? God, I, um, I wish I could hit those high notes. God, that is amazing. About halfway through the song, all day, I just quit singing. I was just like, I just, what he said. God, what he said right there, all right? Um, so I got to ask a question, and um, by the way, we're finishing up with Gideon next week. We've hung out with him. Since the first week in June, we've seen God do a lot in Gideon's life. So don't miss next week; it's going to be epic. But I want to ask a question real quick, and and uh, before you answer, let me get the question done. Because sometimes people answer and and don't let me finish the question, and and stop it. So so, so here's the question. Here's the question: How many of you have ever played the game Pac-Man? Now don't raise your hand yet, because if you've played it on a on a gaming system like a TV. Um, in your house, um, like a Nintendo or, or a Switch or whatever they got right now, that does not count. I'm talking like we got in the lobby, old school arcade game, Pac-Man, you've played the game, raise your hand. Okay, yeah. So everybody's got their hand up, it's old. And, um, and that's fine, that's fine. If you, ha, hey, bonus question, how many played it on roller skates? Uh-huh, yeah, we really old. If we've played it on roller skates. Now, I love the game Pac-Man. In fact, when I was a kid, my dad would drop me off at an arcade and he would like give me a couple, couple bucks Like, and you got eight quarters and that's when you got to play an arcade game for like or a quarter. And I got so good at Pac-Man that he could drop me off and with $1, I could spend about three or four hours in the arcade, which means I had no life. If you're good at an arcade game, you have no life. And I memorized the patterns of Pac-Man and I, I learned how to play it. There was even a song in 1982 called Pac-Man Fever, and it made it to number nine on the Billboard hits. I mean, Pac-Man was, it was when it hit, it hit, it took off. It was the most, it's the most popular arcade game, money-wise, that's ever been made, that people put quarters in, all right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, this is great, but I didn't come to church to hear about Pac-Man. I came to church to hear about Jesus. We're gonna get there if so you'll be patient with me. I've got to talk about Pac-Man a little bit more. so let me let me kind of set up the basic strategy of Pac-Man, and I promise you I'm gonna tie it into scripture. Um, this game right here occupied so much of my time, and it's and it's pretty simple. So, first of all, that high score, um, it it, it easy to beat. In fact, I don't know what the high score is out there. Uh, I haven't played it in forever, but whatever the high score is on either one tonight before I leave, I will roll it up and smoke it and send it to you. Okay. (laughs) So just so you know, trigger warning, welcome to second chance. I am, this game reminds me a lot of, of life because the goal is to get this guy, this is Pac-Man to, all you got to do is eat all these little dots on on the screen, and some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of dots, 250 to be exact. Um, there's 250 dots, and all you gotta do is, is go through and eat the dots. You gotta clear the board. The only problem is these guys. These are the ghosts. They are named Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clod. There you go, Clod, he's the orange one. So, so these guys, the whole time you're clearing the board, are coming after you. Like they're coming after you. And no matter where you are on the board, they're coming after you. And if they get you, you're destroyed, you're dead. And and it's like, and he spins around and he kind of falls down and then the game's over if, you, if they get you three times. But these things right here in the corners, these are called power pellets. And if you eat a power pellet, these guys right here turn blue and you can Act, like Pac-Man can actually eat them. So, so in this screen right here, the ghost can destroy you. But in this screen right here, after eating a pellet, you can destroy what was trying to destroy you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because I was thinking this when I was coming up with this illustration. Is man, wouldn't it be great if, if we had some power pellets? Because at the end of the day, don't you kind of feel like Pac-Man, you're just trying to clear the board. You got about 250 things to do every day, and you're trying to get through the day, but it seems like something's coming at you every time you turn around. You got something coming at you here. You got Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde, and they're all, and it feels like some, it almost feels like that we're in a spiritual war sometimes. Am I right? And and it feels like something's coming after us. And I have thought before, I wish we just had a power pellet as followers of Christ to help us get over what was, so we can get over. Um, whatever the enemy has tried to send against us. And we actually do. And it's this thing called worship. Worship is our power pellet. Now, I didn't say singing. Big difference between singing and worship. If you are looking at your phone with your hand raised, you're not worshiping. You're singing and pretending. Um, Worship is when we are so focused on who God is it actually begins to change the way we think and change the way we feel. In fact, here's my sermon in a sentence. Worship enables us to destroy what the enemy intended to use to destroy us. When we worship, when we, when we worship, like the enemy's trying to put things over us, but when we truly worship, we can get over what the enemy has sent against us because we're so focused on who God is, and I'm gonna show you this in the text. Now, going back to Gideon for just a second. Can we all agree he's came pretty far in his relationship with God over the past several weeks? Because when we met him, remember, he's in a pit, and he's he's not, even, he's not praying, he's not reading his Bible. We don't know why God chose Gideon, other than his amazing grace. But Jesus goes to Gideon in the pit, and Gideon kind of stumbles through those first few interactions with Jesus, does he not? Just like we do sometimes. But he finally gets out of the pit and he finally takes a few more steps and he finally takes a few more steps. And then last week, remember, we said Gideon was walking toward the battle. And it's the first time an Israelite had walked toward battle in, in seven years. And remember, he was doing the slow motion thing and you and, and you could kind of hear the, the theme music. I kind of... For me, it's kind of like Eminem, eight mile, like lose yourself, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. You can have a different song, that's fine, mine's better. But he's walking towards this fight and he's, he's kind of bold because he's got 32,000 men behind him and he's about to pick a fight. Now, if I'm gonna pick a fight and I got 32,000 men with me, I'm feeling pretty good about my odds. But then last week, God messed everything up, remember? He said, you got too many men and he, and he pruned some away And he was like, you still got too many men? And he pruned some way, and he left Gideon with 300 men. And I would be willing to bet that at that moment, Gideon probably felt confused, discouraged, and filled with doubt. I mean, think about it for a second. He did what God told him to do. He didn't disobey and lose 31,700 men. He was doing what God told him to do, and he wound up with less. That don't make no sense, right? God, I I was just, I'm confused, God, because I thought you said go fight, but you took all my men away. I'm discouraged because I'm probably gonna die. I mean, I gotta go fight because you said go fight, but I'm probably gonna die. And I don't, God, I don't think I've got what it takes. And and the reason I bring this up about Gideon is because I would be willing to bet there's some people in this room tonight or watching online tonight, and you are confused. Because there's stuff going on in your life. You're fighting a battle. And, and you didn't see this battle coming. And, and you're, you're like, God, I thought I was doing the right thing. Why is all this happening? And, 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 and you're, you're discouraged. I would be lying if I didn't say there were some weeks I showed up here and I was discouraged. We all face discouragement. And there's some people here filled with doubt. Like, I wanna believe that, that walking with the Lord is the right thing, but I'm having a tough time right now. And that's where we pick up Gideon. He had stopped walking. And, and the Bible tells us in Judges chapter seven, verse eight, the Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. And then it said that night, The Lord said, now we're going to say this together, these two words on three. We're going to say it on three together. One, two, three. Okay, that was pathetic. We're going to say it like you're saying it to your teenager for the 17th time that morning. And there's going to be no 18th time or you're going to burn their bed. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That's what the Lord said. The Lord said, Gideon, get up now. The thing that I was thinking about when I was reading this verse is I was in my, I've got a little office area in my house. I call it the frog. It's the free room over the garage. Um, it's not, and it's not free because I got my bill for my air conditioner the other day and it's not free. But that's what I called it up until not too long ago. And so I'm up in this room and Karis is, is with me and Shannon. She was with us for a few weeks and I heard her alarm go off. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it's time for her to get up, I guess. And then I heard another alarm. I, seven alarms went off that morning, seven alarms. And I asked her, I was like, Karis, um, Why did you set seven alarms? Is that necessary? She said, yes, because I want to make sure I get up. I'm like, why don't you get up on the first one? She said, well, I just need seven. And I started, I was kind of judging her in my heart a little bit. And then I thought back to, because I almost said, I almost said when I was your age, I didn't set seven alarms. And I didn't, because I had a snooze button. It's the same thing. Remember that? I had to buy a new alarm clock every year because I would smack that snooze button. I would just slap it. I just slap in the alarm clock, snooze button. And, and it made me think that so many times that we'll get confused or discouraged or we're filled with doubt and we'll just stop walking. We'll just lay down. We'll just cry out and we'll, we're the victim and this happened to me and I can't believe God you're letting this take place. And God... Looks at Gideon sitting there who's playing the victim and he's worried and he's fearful. And God told him, Gideon, get up. Get up. You know what I think God's saying to somebody in this room tonight? Get up. You fell down, you can get back up. Falling down doesn't make you bad, it just confirms you're human. Get up. Because we can, we can lay down on the ground. This is what I've discovered. We can play the victim card for the rest of our life. Oh, this happened to me. Oh, this happened to me. Or I made this mistake. But you know what? I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Victims never walk in victory. And Gideon's first step was to get up. And when God starts speaking to us, we've got the option. We can say, yes, Lord, or we can hit the snooze button. But the longer we hit the snooze button, the more we delay the blessings that God wants to bring into our lives. So somebody here tonight needs to hear this. You've stayed down long enough. It's time for you to get up. So... Y'all need to listen faster because that was only half a verse, okay, here we go. Go down into the Midianite camp, for I've given you victory over them. Now keep this in mind, this is what God tells him. Get up, go down into the Midianite camp, why? For I've given you victory over them. Now, last week, Gideon probably felt like he had victory because he had 32,000 men. But now, he's got 300. And God's telling him to get up and go down into the camp. And Gideon's scratching his head, but there's a message here, and somebody needs to hear this. I know I needed to hear this this week. God's basically telling Gideon, you don't have what you once had, but you still got me, and that's all that matters. I'm talking to somebody tonight. You, you might not have what you once had, but if you still got that walk with God, that's all that matters. Get up and keep, keep walking because he didn't tell us to stop. Right? Y'all feel, y'all feel it. It, it? It took a minute. I, I, like, I like that tension it creates. And watch this. Um, he said, but if you are afraid to attack, pause, let's be honest. Was he afraid? Dang straight. He's never fought in a battle before. He had his sword. He's like, what do I do with this? You're holding the wrong end. Okay. That's why I cut myself. Like he didn't, he didn't know what to do. But if, but if you're afraid and I love it because he didn't, God didn't say, but if you're afraid, you're an idiot. What are you thinking? After all I've done for you, I brought you out of the pit. I spoke my word into you. You brought the goat and I burned it up and burned it. And then you put out the fleece and I answered your prayers. I have walked with you every step of the way and you're gonna doubt me now? Gideon, you're an idiot. No, that's not what God said. God met Gideon right where he was. God said, oh, if you're afraid, I'll meet you right there, but I won't let you stay that way. See, that's the thing about the grace of God. The grace of God will meet us exactly where we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. He said, get up, but if you're afraid to attack, but if if you're afraid to attack, watch this. Go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Pura. If you're looking for a baby name, that ain't it. That ain't it, baby. Pura is not it. We've been talking about baby names. Um, she's not pregnant yet. But Pura is not it. Don't you love how when you're going to that next level in your walk with Jesus that, that God will tell you who needs to go with you? God said, don't wake up all 300. Just take Just take Pura. And I was scratching my head when I was reading this going, what's so special about Pura? Why, why would God say, take Pura? But last week, remember we talked about how Gideon got pruned? Like fruit gets pruned and the reason something gets pruned is so it'll bear more fruit. Y'all remember that? Okay, anybody? Any, okay, yeah, yeah, good, I just wanna make sure. Um, he said, take, take Pura with you. So I was like, what is Pura? In Hebrew, names had like meanings. And so what does the name pura mean? And I looked it up and it said, one who bears fruit. So he got pruned last week, but now God's telling him, take somebody with some fruit with you. You You can, that's who I want walking with me. Not the perfect people, just some people that got some fruit. Right? And I love this. And but by the way, let me, let me just say this. This is a side note. I just want to say it. I need to get it off my chest. I can't afford therapy right now. So this is my therapy session. Hi, my name's Perry. Hi, Perry. Uh, way more people in the five o'clock service been to therapy because <laughs> 11 o'clock looked at me like they didn't know what I was talking about. I had one person go, hi, Perry. And I'm saying, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> when you talk about Jesus changing your life, this is, this is what I can't stand. Man, Pastor P, I was uh. I was doing bad, I was just doing bad stuff and I met Jesus and he he came into my life and man, I did a complete 360. No, you did not. Listen, I failed math, but it's a 180 because if you did a 360, you're going in the same direction, bro, all right? So it's a, just get that, it's a pet peeve and I felt like I needed to get that off my chest and I feel so much better now. Watch this. Listen this is this is insane. We're going to talk more about this next week. Uh, listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. Time out. Listen to what the who are saying? The who? Midianites. Aren't they the bad guys? Listen to the enemy? Listen, I, I played football for two years. I told you all this. I wasn't any good. But one thing I can remember is those pregame huddles. If you've ever played any athletic event, the pregame where you get together and you're talking about what you're gonna to do to the other team. Now, I was in fifth and sixth grade, and we didn't know that much back then because we didn't have the internets, but, but we, 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 we talked as much. We, our arch rival, I played for the McKissick Indians, our arch rival was the Forest Acre Panthers. They were satanic, they all had cats, they were evil, wicked, malicious people, and it was our job to defeat them. So we would be in the huddle. We're like, we're gonna kill, them. we're gonna do this. And then we would like, we're gonna do this to their mama. We didn't have any idea what that meant. I feel so horrible about all their moms. But anyway, we talked about their moms. How weird would it have been before one game if we're sitting there talking about what we're gonna do? And we looked up, and there was a little forest acre panther standing there. And he went, guys, um, I'm feeling a little bit of discouragement, and I was hoping that before the game that you guys could speak some life into me. We would have killed that kid. We would have buried him. We, like, we, like you, you, you expect to get encouragement, but not from the enemy. Why would God send Gideon to the enemy to receive encouragement? It's real simple. To prove to Gideon, I know what you lost, but I'm still in control. I still reign. In fact, Gideon, I'm so powerful. I will use what is trying to destroy you to actually take you to the next level in your walk with me. That's how good God is. That's how powerful he is. That's, I just see that. So I love this. So <laughs> Gideon just, the whole, the whole story, Gideon, this is what Gideon would do. Really? All right, and he would just do it. I think God's just looking for some people like that. They'll go, really? All right, and he just does it because the Bible says, so Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. And this is where it gets really good. Watch this. the Armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the East had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand. All their camels, they were smoking those unfiltered camels and their cigarette butts were just everywhere. So I'm just making the Bible more So so the camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. So, And and once again, this isn't like a Navy SEAL operation. Gideon doesn't know what he's doing. He's creeping up. He's walking. And a guy in the tent is talking about a dream. Now, how many people in this room believe, um, and I'm going to put my hand up so you'll know who I am. How many people believe that God still speaks through dreams, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah, most people. Um, I, I don't think every dream is from God, okay? Like, my first dream was a nightmare. I can remember it, Mr. Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street was coming up my driveway and he was gonna eat me and I'm still freaked out. Every time he appears on Sesame Street, I pee my pants and run out of the room, all right? I'm just freaked out by Mr. Snuffleupagus. But, but so every dream don't have a meaning. Okay, so don't and please don't come to me and ask me what your dream meant. I'm a pastor. I don't know. I just call one eight hundred have a dream. I don't. I don't even know if that's a number. Somebody probably needs to check that. It's probably like a porn line. Oh dear God! I just, just crippled everybody's walk with Jesus. Anyway, get back on track. The man said. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen in five. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream. A loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. It's interesting, isn't it? A loaf of now. Once again, my hands up. I'm just kind of curious. How many people in the room own a gun? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that relocated to the south, we we believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in gun control. We do too. Breaking our house, we control your eternal destination. We control a lot about your life. Now, I'm not going to ask who's got a gun by their bed because that's too personal. That's just personal. I don't have a gun by my bed. I got three. Um, but, but you know what you don't have beside your bed at night to protect you? Bread. Bread. None of y'all ever, no, no wife has ever looked at her husband and said, baby, baby, um, I'm concerned about the kid's safety. Can we put that bread in a safe? Can we have like a bread safe for the bread? Because that bread, I mean, it's, it's dangerous. Go off, put somebody's eye out, right? If somebody broke in my house tonight, I wouldn't tell Shannon, baby, call the law. I got some pumpernickel. And just, I'm just sitting there just chunking rolls. At the, Four people were killed tonight. They were pumpernickeled to death. I, oh, I got an everything bagel. That's like a boomerang nobody does that so when you look at this you're like what's the what's the deal about the bread why why is he having dreams about bread coming into the camp and just tearing it all apart that don't make no sense until you think about that y'all remember where's waldo you'd be looking you couldn't you'd find him the bible's kind of like where's jesus He's all in the Bible. He just makes an appearance. Every once in a while, Jesus Jesus does one of these things. you just reading the Bible, and, and Jesus will be like. Some of y'all are like. Pastor P, where where do you see Jesus in that text? This is a very fair question. But Jesus is saying hello to us in this text because Jesus knew when this was being written that he was going to say in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. And when the bread of life comes crashing into the enemy's camp, we always win. Always. So... Gideon, Gideon's sitting there and his companion said, your dream can mean only one thing. Have you ever, have you ever asked God for a sign? Like, God, I need a sign. God, I need a sign. DMX, Lord, give me a sign. Like, I need a sign. And you start saying, all right, God, I'm I'm gonna go around this bend and I know there's a red light. And if the light is red, that means to break up. And if the light is green, that means we can keep dating. And you go around the bend and the light is red, but you slow down until it's green. You can make it happen, right? So I'm sure Gideon probably was like, all right, God, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna need a sign. And and this is what the enemy said. God has given Gideon... Pura looks at Gideon, Gideon, well, I don't, that don't mean anything because there's a lot of Gideons. There's a lot of Gideons in Israel. We got a lot of Gideons in Israel because every time I go to one of those little souvenir shop and I want to get one of those snow globes and say Gideon on it, it's already bought out. So that means there's a lot of Gideons. And how do we know there's not some Gideons in Midian? And how do we know there's not some Gideons in Amalek? We don't know that that's me. So let's just wait and see what else he says. Gideon, son of Joash. Okay, well, that's my dad. That's what my mama said. At least that's my dad. That's Joash is my dad. Yeah. Joash. That's a, that's a baby name, babe. to word out. Joash. Get your ash in here. <laughs> Sit your ash down. Shut your anyway, I just <laughs> what is happening to me? That did not happen this morning. That did not happen. It does not. (laughs) But now you'll always read that. When you read this, you're always just going to bust out laughing. Gideon said, that's my dad. That's my dad. But we don't know. We don't know that it's like the Israelite dad. And then the guy said, "The, the Israelite. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory. This, this is what you call a sign. This is a sign. This is like God, God made it so clear. This is what I love. God will make that next step so clear. We get mad because we can't see 10 steps. God said, I'm just going to show you the next step. How can I trust you with 10 steps if I can't trust you with the next step? I'm going to show you that next step. And then watch what Gideon does because when you first read it, it's kind of weird, but this is where we're going. Watch this. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but he was just overcame. Over. He, he bowed. He was like, God, you've brought me so far. You've been so, why did I, but this is what gets me. This is what gets me. Gideon, it would have made more sense if he would have went back to his camp and worshiped with his friends, but he worshiped in the enemy's camp. See, I love worship time in church. I love singing time. I love when we sing and we run the music loud For a couple reasons. Number one, heaven's going to be loud. Read the book of Revelation. There's thunder. There's a killer sound system up there. I can make it work in the scriptures. Trust me the other reason we run it loud is so you don't have to hear yourself sing or your neighbor sing that's and that's a blessing you should say amen we 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 run it loud so when when we show up here we sing loud i sing loud when i'm in my car how, how many of you when you're in your car you just wear it out i am singing in my car i'm i'm like i am elevation worship i should be on hill song i can i am i am wearing this out and then i sing in front of other people and they're like oh and it makes sense to worship here. I mean, why wouldn't, like, I, I'm in every service. I don't miss one single song. I love our band and our musicians. I love the way they honor God with their talent that when they're up here work. I wanna be in. I wanna get in on that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Gideon worshiped in the enemy's camp. You know what that means? It means that tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday at, at work, That's where we gotta learn to worship because worship is the power pellet that'll get us through the day. When we some of, sometimes we just need to we just need to get up from our desk or get up from our cubicle and say I I gotta go on a walk I'm gonna walk around the parking lot I'm gonna put my pods in and I'm gonna listen to a song and God I don't feel Your presence but you know what even though I'm in the enemy's camp I'm gonna worship You You are good You are mighty You have brought me this far You have never, and it will completely reset your heart and your mind take take your iPhone, put your ear pods in, go to the bathroom, sit down in the stall and just worship. Now, I wouldn't do it out loud because you start singing certain songs, people gonna think there's a problem with you if you're in the next little thing going, I'm fighting a battle. And they're like, really, is it that bad? Is it that bad? But Gideon, Gideon is worshiping in the enemy's camp and this is, this is, the, this is the big moment. This is the moment that got me when I was reading through this. What did God first say to Gideon in this text? Two words. What were they? Get up. And then he said, I've given you victory. That's what God said to Gideon. Gideon followed God's voice, did what God told him to do, even though it was difficult, got confirmed. Gideon bowed and worshiped and watch how worship changes us. We see it in this next verse. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up. Gideon said the same thing to his men that God had said to him because his heart and his mind had been transformed by the power of worship. When we worship, we we start thinking like God thinks and we start speaking like God speaks. Not only did he say get up, but he said the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He told them the same thing God told him. He just had to, take some step, steps of faith, worshiped, and his mind got changed. I don't know about you, but one of the things that amazes me is the power of worship. When I was a kid, my mama wanted me to take piano lessons and I, and I hated it. I took five years, it was torture. I told you a few weeks ago, I, I can't really read sheet music. I just would memorize what my piano teacher's hands would do. And then I went to my first church, and I was a part-time youth pastor, and I wanted our, our youth group to sing songs, like these little worship courses, before we would, we would uh, do our little Bible study. And God spoke to me, and he said, you're going you're gonna to play the piano. And I was like, God, I, I played piano for years, and I, I, don't, I don't really know. And he he said, but yeah, you're gonna learn. So I went to a music store, bought a chord book, and I learned about four or five chords. I don't, like these guys that play behind, like back here, they can do all kinds of stuff. I can, I can play chords. And, and, I, and in that first church, I learned the power of worship because I worked with a senior pastor who, um, who hated my guts. <laughs> and that's fine, because I didn't like his guts very much. And so I don't know how many know about small church politics but if a senior pastor don't like you they can they can make things rough and so i thought i had learned to play the piano to to lead the students in worship but it was really for me and even to this day i've got a piano at my office at my house and i got a piano here at the office of the church nothing big I, every once in a while i'm not trying to write music i'm not trying to become Uh, a part of the band because I just every once in a while I get alone and I just I remember in that little choir room at Griffin Baptist Church I would just go in there by myself make sure nobody else was there and I would do like Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary see I told you couldn't play pure and holy tried and true i'll be a living sanctuary for you and when i would get done singing that song the senior pastor wouldn't get fired and he would still be there making my life rough but you know what just singing that little worship chorus over and over again it just did something to me just switched something in me and god used it to just start transforming my heart and my mind, which is so powerful because last week I just sat down in my office and I just started thinking about the past seven years and what God has done and how far he has brought me and how far he's brought our church and how far he's brought some of you in your relation. I've seen you grow and it's been powerful and I just I just sat down and I just started playing like I've come a long way How many believe that tonight? How many believe? Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you so much that it, As much as, God, it just seems like so many things coming at us from so many different directions that when we just pause and worship, even in the enemy's camp, you refocus our hearts and you refocus our minds and get us back in step with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that story and for that illustration and for that reminder that even in the enemy's camp, you are still God and you are still good and you still reign. With well, head's bowed and eyes closed right now. I believe God is speaking a word tonight and I felt it all day in every service and I feel it in this word. I feel like God's telling somebody, it's time for you to get up. You've been, you've, been, you've been down too long. Okay, you failed. Do you want to identify the rest of your life by how you fell or by how you got back up? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 24, if the righteous person falls down seven times, they will get up again. And by the power of God's word and by the power of God's spirit, you can get back up. And do what, Pastor P? Keep walking. Even though you don't have what you once had, you still got him. Keep walking. Because he's still good and he's still God and he's still got your back. Maybe you just need to tell God, God, I want to I give this battle to you. God, I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to keep walking. Even though it's a fight, I'm going to keep walking. Even though I feel like I'm flat on my face, I'm going to get up. God, whatever you want me to do, the answer is yes, I'll take that next step. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. you never asked Jesus into your life. And without Jesus, we can't win anything. We will get ran over spiritually every single day but with jesus in our life we have the power to overcome anything the world throws at us so if you're here tonight you need to pray to receive christ i'm going to invite you to pray with me in just a second i'm going to ask you to pray out loud and ask jesus to come into your life and save you but here's the cool thing you're going to pray out loud but you're not going to pray alone because every week our whole second church second chance family says this prayer with you so you can know you're stepping into a relationship with jesus supported by a whole lot of people so let's pray this together and if you need to pray to receive christ you pray it second chance family let's pray it with them just say jesus christ i know that i'm a sinner and i need your forgiveness i believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins and right now jesus i confess you as lord come into my life and take over. I surrender all. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed and asked Christ to come into your life, I wanna, I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you, I wanna celebrate with you. So if that's you and you just prayed to receive Christ, do me a favor and just put your hand straight up in the air. Just hold it up straight up in the air and just leave it up, just leave it up all right over, all over the room, all over their hands, 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 amen, keep them, up, keep them up, keep them up high, keep them up high, keep them up high. Them up high. I wanna see, because there's a lot of hands in this service. There's a lot of hands in the service. Father, I want to thank you, Jesus. There's 15, 20 people tonight, Jesus, that you saved. We've never had a service, Jesus, where you didn't save people, but tonight, tonight, tonight is special. Thank you, Jesus, that we just get to be a part of what you're doing. God, I pray for every single person that raised their hand. That they would walk out of this place knowing that by your strength, they can get up and keep walking. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And all God's people said, amen. you glad you came to church tonight? Man, me too. What a night. Hey, don't miss next week. We're going to wrap this up with Gideon, and it's going to be epic. I love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you all next Sunday.